I put in your bulletins, if you see this here, if you fold it the other way, so the Athanasian Creed is here like this. You have a chart, front and back, of the creed. But what's more important are the verses on the right-hand column that are taken from Scripture that support in the formation of the creed how and why the creed was written for early Christians. So I just want to not forget to mention that. As we go through the creed, we will not be reading from this. This is for your own study. The creed on the left and on the right, scripture passages from where our confession comes. So I thought that would be helpful for today. One time while Becky and I were on furlough at Christmas time, that was from Panama, I believe, our kids were involved in a Christmas drama. Daria was five years old, John was like four years old, Nicole was one, so she wasn't really involved, but the other two were, were involved. Um, their act was very simple. They uh, were shouting across the aisle from one class to the other. And of course, all the adults were entertained. Um, they would shout, who loves little baby Jesus? And the other side would respond, the shepherds love him. And then they would repeat it, who loves little baby Jesus? And then they would respond, the wise men love him. And of course, this went on a few more times. Who loves little baby Jesus? His mom and dad love him. Who loves little baby Jesus? The cows and the sheep love him. And I love him. And then to the congregation, do you love him? Of course, the funniest part was the intensity that grew with each repetition. It almost sounded like a demand. Who loves little baby Jesus? Who loves little baby Jesus? By the time they got the last time, who loves little baby Jesus? <laughs> the place was in an uproar. The place was interrupted. Repeating it again. Who loves little baby Jesus? Or better yet, it may sound uh, like sanctified cheerleading, but I, I've, I've heard people in, in, in today's Christian world, of, I mean, you can almost make a cheer out of it. I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? That's really no different from the Sunday school Christmas drama thing. I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? Well, for some people, faith is a vote for Jesus. It's a choice that you get on the bandwagon of Jesus. You love Jesus. You want to share that. Shows you're part of the team. For some, salvation is how much you believe in Jesus. In other words, for some, faith is about what you believe to be true. Let me repeat that. For some, faith is about what, an emphasis here, what you believe to be true. After all, isn't faith and salvation how you apply and see Christ's uh, death and resurrection to be applicable to your life? Isn't faith determining the value and the possibility of who Christ is in his death and resurrection and just how much you need him? To use another example, some might express their faith in the words of a magnet that I remember being on my mom's refrigerator in high school and every time I opened the door, 
It said, God, believe, God says it, I believe it, that settles it. How many of you have seen that or heard it? God says it, I believe it, that settles it. But more and more Christians in today's postmodern and politically correct world might simply say, I believe it, God said it, that settles it. Or simply they might say, I believe it, that settles it. I'm a Christian because I say I am, I feel I am, and I want to be identified as one. Some of us are shell-shocked when we may hear this and reply, well, who am I to say they are not if they say that they are? There is a huge problem in today's world. If you couldn't identify it so far in my examples, listen closely. Even though the examples reek of modern day religiosity and culture, our gospel has the same problem when Jesus is talking to the Jews and the Judean people. It's a huge problem. Our gospel text for today serves to illustrate because at the beginning of when Jesus is talking, he's talking to the Jews, first of all, and the Pharisees challenge him on his teaching. But then he addresses his statements to the Judeans. And it says in scripture, the Jews who believed in him. The Jews who had faith in him and who trusted in him. And he goes and talks to them specifically. This encounter between Jesus and the Jews of Judea actually began some verses before, which is why I wanted to read it to you. In those verses, we hear Jesus talking about himself as the light of the world. He who follows me will never walk in darkness. Of course, he meets with rejection from these Pharisees about this. But then he goes on to teach that he and the Father are one. And before Abraham was, he is and that he must die and rise from the dead, and that he doesn't bring glory to himself, but to his heavenly Father, when you lift up the Son of Man, he says, you will know that I am he who was sent. And for all of these, the Pharisees are beside themselves, the ones who didn't believe. But then the conversation begins to digress from there as Jesus continues people begin to examine what he is saying and after they hear him out on who he is and where he came from and why he came and how the scriptures apply to him and he claims to be one with the father he addresses the Judeans who are there who believed in him so it's just not the Jews and the Pharisees who were against him from the beginning but the Judeans now who believed in him were there as well. And these are the ones who are shouting, I love Jesus, yes I do, I love Jesus, how about you? They've followed him, they've listened to them, they've seen his miracles, they've heard him preach. Then Jesus said to the Judeans who believed in him, if you continue to follow me, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But these believing Jews take exception to the words that Jesus used about being free. They are proud Jews, proud of their heritage with Abraham. 
they believed in Jesus to cap it off. In their eyes, they don't need to be free. They were never slaves, even though in the history it shows that they were. What do you mean we need to be free, they say. They think back to Egypt when they were slaves. We were never slaves, nor enslaved to anyone right now. We are children of Abraham. And so suddenly, those who believed in him turned on him. Now nobody was shouting, I love Jesus, yes I do. The cry was more like what we might say in a modern day society, Jesus is discriminating against the otherly faithful. They missed this point because they were so absorbed in who they wanted Jesus to be, they missed who Jesus was and is. When confronted with the truth about Jesus as he was going about telling them who he was and why he came, the truth did not set them free. On the contrary, it ensnared them in their false truth. They wanted to claim Jesus as they saw him, not as what the truth in scripture declared him to be. Their stumbling block to see the truth was their belief about Abraham. A tradition, something that identified them, who they were, made them feel good about themselves. Jesus attacked their pride and also their prejudice against the Romans. They wanted to see Jesus through the covenant of Abraham. They wanted to see Jesus through the eyes of Abraham and accept him. They did not want to see Abraham through the eyes of Jesus, the new covenant. In other words, we will accept you for who you are, but leave our faith and our beliefs alone. I'm for you as long as you don't bother me. In a short period of time, they went from believing in Jesus, but when challenged and confronted with the truth about their heritage and who Jesus was, and the reality of what Abraham's words and faith really was, they repudiated him with the titles of Samaritan. You're a Samaritan. You're a half-breed. You're one of the ones who intermarried with the Assyrian captors that's mentioned in Kings. You're one of the ones who put up idol worship in Bethel and Dan. And then they moved to, you're demon-possessed. You're demon-possessed because you claim to be before Abraham was? What did Jesus do? Why is this about face? The answer is easy. I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? The truth of who Jesus was went against what they wanted Jesus to be for them. Their faith was fine to believe in Jesus on their terms as they imagined him to be Again, let's modernize the Judeans' cry. Jesus, you ain't going to tell us who we are, what we believe. We can believe what we want to, and you can't say we're wrong. In our modern-day Christian world, even in our own LCMS, we can fall into the same trap. Do we believe in Jesus and his truth through our tradition, being Lutheran? Or do we believe in our tradition through Jesus' truth? Do we accept a tradition 
the things we are used to in a worship service, a certain hymn on a certain Sunday has to be sung, or a specific candle has to be lit in order to be a legitimate worship service, or the truth of who we are in Christ, where is that? If the church or congregational tradition changes, is that suddenly not your Jesus? When I started as music minister in a congregation in Fort Wayne, I walked into a conflictive situation. They were divided over traditional and contemporary worship. The traditional party did not tolerate the position, the desire, or the change in worship from traditional to contemporary because it was not Lutheran. This broke down into many meetings, cottage meetings, where a few staunch hard-nosed, true Lutherans, true Christians, influenced rules as to where people could stand up front in the church, where they couldn't stand up front in the church. No praise band could be up front. They had to be in the balcony, out of sight. One gentleman was so Lutheran. Thank you. He was so Lutheran that Luther himself was a heretic. He was so Lutheran. He was so Lutheran that he decreed if the Apostles' Creed was not part of the liturgy in the worship service, we couldn't have that worship, which eliminated all of Matins, all of Complins, all of other offices of worship that were in the hymnal. This man was so Lutheran. He was so Lutheran that the only form of communion that could be served was at the kneelers, or it wasn't Christian or Lutheran. No circulating, like sometimes it was a large church and they had bread and, and, and wine, the body and blood of Christ, and people kept coming around, especially on Easter or Christmas. No! That's not what the Bible says. That's not the true form of worship. But I'm telling you, what put icing on the cake, this man was so Lutheran. And that's the last time you're going to say it. He was so Lutheran that at a meeting, he got so angry that he said, I was Lutheran before I was a Christian. emergency. I was a Lutheran before I was a Christian. In effect, he was Lutheran first and a Christian second. He saw the truth of form and tradition over Jesus. I'm not saying he didn't believe in Jesus. Not the truth of Jesus and, and, and witness over the form and tradition in which he was raised. He believed in Jesus but was a descendant of Luther. Or should I say Abraham? Another question, are we that way? Does the truth of Jesus' teachings, who he says he is, how he reveals himself to us in his word, fit into what we want him to be? Where we are questioning the length of a candle, or the color coordination of stoles, or the collar of the preacher, or the bubbles from the 
baptismal font? Or do those traditions, those forms, effectively communicate the truth of who Christ is? Especially to the world around us. The question is not an either or. And the question is not a legal or a legalistic question. It's not to throw out any tradition. It's not to throw out any expression of identity. But just like Jesus was not telling the Judeans to scratch Abraham out of their tradition, he said, you are descendants of Abraham. The truth was, however, that Jesus came to fulfill what that promise was, so that no matter what the Jews believed about glorying in their heritage from Abraham, it was null and it was void without the truth of what Jesus taught. And that is what he was teaching them, the truth. The truth that would free them from Abraham by fulfilling what the promise to Abraham was. Likewise, if the truth of Jesus is not seen in what we do, and what we say, in the form in which we worship, our words are as empty as, I love Jesus, yes I do. Instead of proclaiming Jesus loves us, yes he does. Jesus' words to the Judeans and to us challenge us and point us to look at him for what truth is and not our mere feeling of what we want him to be as true. It brings up another point, not only in church, but on a personal level. Where is our Abraham? Personally, how might Jesus' words and teaching challenge yours and my preconceived imaginations or notions of who he is? Instead of Abraham or a tradition, are we enslaved to things that make us feel comfortable with our own sinfulness? Do we retreat to our own falsehoods of what we believe to be true? Our own world, so much so that we do not want to examine ourselves in the light of who Jesus truly is. Do we seek to believe in a Jesus that suits our situation? Let's face it. It would be rather to seek a Jesus who is all love, but no judgment. A Jesus who just makes us feel good about ourselves. A Jesus who miraculously feeds five thousands. A Jesus who turns water into wine, raises someone from the dead. We would rather cry, I love Jesus, yes I do, as the truth of who Jesus is, instead of saying, I cry for mercy, yes I do. I need forgiveness, how about you? A modern-day example of this short example from Taylor University, one girl student in particular was confronted by someone else telling them about Jesus in the scripture or behavior. I can't remember the exact same, exact context of it, but she said, that's not my Jesus. My Jesus wouldn't do that. My Jesus wouldn't say that. That's not my Jesus. Can we be blinded? by what we picture Jesus to be and exchange that for the truth of what scripture teaches about him. Do we say that's not my Jesus? Oh, Jesus understands. He'll let me slide on this one. Oh, that's not too bad. He knows I'm a sinful human being and understands me. Completely bypasses the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior to just an excuse that we can give because Jesus understands. 
This is not my Jesus declaration suddenly then becomes a choice of what we want Jesus to be for us. To choose to believe what we want to believe about him and like the world around us today, discard those things that we don't really like about him. I can accept that Jesus. I can accept this Jesus. I can accept the one who does not convict me of my sin or make me feel bad about myself and what I have done. I can accept the Jesus who understands and looks past my wrongdoing, or better yet, I can accept the Jesus who does not convict me of sin, who makes me feel all right. I can accept the Jesus who doesn't demand accountability from me. It's a lot easier. A lot easier. This false Jesus is the illusion that the Jews had who believed in Jesus. This is just how much the comfortableness of our sinful lives enslaves us and tempts us. We are tempted to live as slaves seeking to justify our own sinfulness, reluctant to confront the truth of who we are without Christ rather than live freed from who we are in Christ. This chokehold of slavery to sin blinds us to the truth of the teaching of who Jesus is. We don't like to hear Jesus' words I come to bring a sword. He who does not love father and mother more than me, go and sin no more. Abide in me and follow my teachings. You brood of vipers. We love to see him flip over the tables in the temple. We love to see him speak against those who are going to stone the, 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 the promiscuous woman when he writes in the sand and says, Go as long as we're not the ones sitting behind the table in the temple, as long as we're not the one holding the rock, the first ones to accuse others. We want to forget the truth that in his holiness as God's son, he is against sin and therefore is against who we are. He stands in judgment. Get thee behind me, Satan, one challenged, he says to Peter. When confronted with Jesus' judgment, we reject it because it exposes our sinfulness. That's not the Jesus we want. We would rather have the resurrected Jesus than a bloody Jesus who died because of us. We would rather see the truth of his glory and not the reason for his going to the cross. But you know what? The truth hurts. But the truth sets us free. But the truth hurts. The truth never hurt or caused pain to anyone more than it did Jesus, our Savior. The truth of who we are, our falsehood and our rejection and denial of Christ, is the truth for which he went to the cross and the truth for his own resurrection. St. John says, in this is love. Not me saying, I love Jesus. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. That is the truth of who Jesus is. That whoever confesses their sins is faithful and just, and through Christ's blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Suddenly, with this, our confession, we are in agreement with everything that has been taught in the church throughout history. And that's what the creeds represent and teach it teaches us i love jesus yes i do turns into more of a heart 
and the truth, Jesus loves me, this I know. In his hands inside, he shows how much love he has for me, died and rose to set me free. This is the function of the creeds in Christendom, to make sure that what was taught in Scripture is what we confess to be true. Not our own truth, but the truth as God has revealed himself to us through Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Reading it in today's society makes it sound pretty daunting. Unless you accept this as the true faith, you are lost. And we'll be reading that. The fact is, I'm not the one saying it. It's the scriptures who are saying it. Oh, I don't believe that, that, that Jesus and God are one and the same. Well, Jehovah's Witness don't either. They're not a Christian group. The creeds were written in the year 400 because of that belief. They worked through it, through their own heresies and false teachings about scripture, which is why we have the creeds that we do today as a concise confession of who we are as Christians, non-negotiable. The truth, that truth will set you free, as it does us now in worship, worshiping our Savior, Jesus Christ. Go in the grace and peace of God. Go in the truth. It set you free. The tomb is empty. We know who that truth is. Amen. If you're interested in knowing more about Jesus Christ or about Grace Lutheran Church, please go to www.gracealoneonline.org. You can email us at gracealoneonline.org at gmail.com.